Welcome to episode 204 of Big Trouble Podcast. I am Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm on call. You have my axe. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, Google transcribed that below for me as you have my ex, not my axe. So thank you for, for, for your ex-partner. Yeah, and we're continuing more of Lord of the Rings. We are doing the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. But before we get into that movie, guys, what the hell you've been watching, playing, or doing? Uh, I will start off with Chaz. Go. Um, let's see, got to play. I just got to play in a gaming tournament. I haven't got to do that in a long time. Um. So uh, at least outside of traveling to MAGFest, uh, pre-COVID, I haven't been able to go to any tournaments, but went to a, a local convention, which actually had a pretty good turnout, and uh, played in uh, two Smash tournaments, uh, Smash 64, and I got managed to get second place, although I haven't played that game in a decade, um, and then I got third place in a Smash Melee tournament, so that was pretty cool, um, and then played some Magic with some friends, uh, not really many other video games this week. It's just been a long week. Um, I did manage to get to um, watch uh, more of the, the first season of Umbrella Academy. I did not finish the first season, but I'm at a really big cliffhanger from the last episode I watched. So more to come on that, but so far it's been pretty good. Um, something I forgot to mention last week, and I mentioned this uh, over the weekend, uh, I met with some some assholes and did some drinking and smoke of, smoke, smoking of cigars. Sorry, I'm like having a stroke there with words. But uh, um, I managed to watch uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest. I don't know who else is familiar with that. Um, I'm familiar t- with that. Yeah, Zach and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, it's it's the, like the best of worst things. Um, Is basically that Saturday morning animated show nonsense. No, it's a live no. action show. No, it's a live action show that used to air after WCW Nitro back in like the <laughs> late nineties. Like right in the it's literally riding the coattails of like the the movies that came out in the nineties. Um and it it literally is the like it is so bad it's good. It is the pug of television. I could not recommend it more. The acting is so bad. And um, it really twinges between trying to be, again, kind of like a, an offshoot um, from what the films were kind of doing, but it's it's based it predates the films chronologically. Um, but it kind of looks like some college students filmed it, just based on you know compared to like today's uh, average like, like film in, in camera technology. But it also has like the plot lines that kind of seem like it's a Skinamax film. Um, also, a lot of random people got their start in this show, um, which I was like completely blown away by. Apparently, Eva Mendez was in this show. I guess it's prior to the Fast and Furious films, but you know, any other things she did. But it, it just can't recommend it more. Um, but you're gonna be kind of baffled. The ending of it was kind of weird, and I haven't looked back to see. But basically, Shao Kahn killed everyone. 
Shaokan won. He he trapped Raiden in in Outworld. He he managed to kill Kung Lao and everyone. And he it sh- literally the show ends him telling Raiden that everyone's dead. Goes to dark. He laughs and ends. And then, I, at least from what was on uh, HBO Max or when I tried to look it up, there's no other episodes because the show got canceled. So they literally ended. It. It's kind of like the old show Dinosaurs that ended with. <laughs> everyone dying like, I love that's what it reminds show, me yeah. of that's brilliant it, it's the it's my favorite way that for that show to end the series ends with that asteroid killing everyone that was it but uh anyway that's i thought it was kind of interesting and uh that's that's about all i've got um yeah think of think of acting on par with the mortal Kombat four uh endings like like that yeah actually <laughs> Oh, one other thing to bring up about the show. I, I really could talk about this for two hours, and I shouldn't. But every single time anything is said and has any consequence at all, like even just vague uh, seriousness to whatever they say, they always play that like default butt rock chord. Like, <laughs> like they always play it in the little finger for 30 seconds. It happens constantly through the show, and it's always the same chord. It's hilarious. Stay tuned for more Combat Conquest podcasts. Hosted by <laughs> Chaz and Zach. We're gonna do it. That'd Somebody be... needs to talk about this show. I, I listen. I, I will do it. We will just go through the series and just pick it <laughs> apart. And why we need a second season? Oh. Yeah. I mean, it it will be my turn, but I have something even more outrageous than Mortal Kombat Conquest. So we'll oh, get. We'll see. That remains to be seen. All right. Maybe Zach... maybe outrageous, but not in a good way. Oh. If, it, it, let me put it this way. It's a mixture of American Gladiator and wrestling. So we'll get to that soon. So uh, you also watch Mortal Kombat Conquest? No, no, it's something <laughs> It's something that is outrageous. And uh, we'll get to that soon. But Zach, what the hell have you been watching, playing, or doing? Um, I've, excuse me, I've been watching, um, I've been watching the Spider-Man animated series uh, here and there. I took advantage of the prime day sale last week and bought some movies. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of these movies before. I've just always want, I, I wanted to own them after seeing them. So I'll probably watch them again sometime and maybe talk about them or whatever. It's just, it's just midsummer Bram Stoker's Dracula and Lake Mungo. Lake what? Lake Mungo. I don't know that movie. Um, it's kind of obscure, but uh, I highly recommend it. It's like probably one of the best uh, weirdo. <laughs> it's hard to describe. It's like probably the best take on a found footage movie for real uh, since Blair Witch or like Paranormal Activity. But the way it's also played off is it's more like a documentary, like about found footage. And it's played like straight, like this is a documentary, and that's the way it's presented. Um, but yeah, uh, been been still sporadically playing Forza Horizon Five when I can, and I spent a bunch of time goofing off, playing a bunch of random old games on a friend's TV. We were testing out at the festivities this weekend, last weekend. And that's oh pretty, yeah, that's pretty much been my. Uh, my week. <laughs> yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, we played Mortal Kombat about two on we Sega Mortal- Genesis. We, were very we played bad. Mortal Kombat two, and it was bullshit. <laughs> Goddamn AI in that game sucks. <laughs> Sub Zero is the wall. 
<laughs> it's like Ryu in uh, Street Fighter 2. You fight Ryu and he fucks you up. <laughs> Andy, what the hell you been watching, playing, or doing? There was a new episode of Review on um, Red Letter Media's YouTube. Uh, uh, Josh and Jay talked about the uh, Kids in the Hall movie, Brain Candy, which was like a commercial miserable failure. But the last time the two of them, I think, did a review, or at least one of the last times the two of them did one, they talked about True Stories, which is a movie I have since fallen head over heels for i love that movie so they talked about brain candy and they weren't like oh it's the best movie ever but they were like oh there's some good stuff about it so i decided to watch it just on a weird whim i actually put it on while i was playing forza horizon 5 so it's not like it had my undivided attention but it's a comedy movie it doesn't really have to it was pretty good it's worth watching once like it's not a masterpiece i can kind of understand why it failed though because the humor in it is very dark and very dry but it tries to also intermingle with like you know more obvious, lighthearted, goofy humor. Hey, but it's a pretty good movie. And then after that, uh, I watched Tombstone just because I love Tombstone. It's a great movie, and I wanted to watch it again. <laughs> but that's, that's literally it. I watched two movies, and I played a hell of a lot of um, Horizon. I got to play the new expansion today for like 40 minutes before getting on to do this podcast. It seems fun so far. It's very pretty because you're like in the clouds driving on all these Hot Wheels tracks, and you get down in this volcano and there's ice and snow and yeah it's neat it's fun so far yeah my favorite part of tombstone um is they're like uh kurt russell's like in front of these gang people and they're like come on shoot me there's five of us he's like i'm gonna kill you first and then like uh uh what's his face fuck i forgot his name but it's val kilmer's character doc holiday doc, yeah, holiday. doc holiday and the guy's like you're drunk He's like, you probably see two of me. He's like, well, I got two guns. <laughs> One for each of you. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, man. I got to see that uh, movie. That movie's infinitely quotable. I really like uh, They're Leaving Town, and Kurt Russell's like, I just want you to know this is over. It's over now. <laughs> he looks up at me and goes, well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking asshole. I can't wait till you die. <laughs> And of course, yeah, I'm your Huckleberry and all kinds of excellent. Oh. No, in there in the creek. I, the, the whole movie's just fucking brilliant. I love it to death. Okay, well, uh, I'm still reading The Hobbit. Um, I think so far my favorite is like when, when they send Bilbo into the troll area to because he's the burglar and all that stuff. And, and they're all like, where's Gandalf? Where is he? And he just comes out of nowhere like usual. It's to come to save the day. So far, that's my favorite part of the book so far. But I'm still reading it. Um, I watched Resident Evil. Uh, not the whole series yet, but I want to see uh, about three episodes. And I'm... It's like puking. And you know, like, when you get, like, puke in your nose. And you're like, I gotta keep on going. Because I don't want to taste this forever. Th that's what Resident Evil is to me. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the writing is fucking terrible. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating. It's just stupid. Uh, it literally feels like this was supposed to be like a, it's kind of like that, uh, Cloverfield movie with John Goodman where they're just like, oh, they're in a bunker and something shit is happening outside. Let's just say monsters are out there and let's just put Cloverfield on it. That's what Resident Evil feels like. 
um as far as that is what it was in fact 10 cloverfield lane and the cloverfield effect are both unrelated movies that they bought and then re-edited to make into cloverfield movies yeah it's fucked up man yeah uh the best part is literally black wesker um, he's amazing in the show. The re- the rest of the people, it's like a high school show. It's like a CW Seventh Heaven fucking bullshit. And then it, a- it and then it goes into like fucking zombies and stuff. And I'm like, what am I watching? He's named Black Wesker. Is he like a Pokemon card? What the fuck's that about? <laughs> you got Black Wesker. <laughs> no dog. I, I he's no. he's a real good actor. I don't know his name, but I've seen him in a lot of shit. So. He's good acting, but uh, he was the guy that played the the um, concierge in fucking John Wick. That's like where yes. a lot of people I think know would know him yes. from. Right now. Uh, yeah, I've heard pretty much across the board he did awesome. Mm-hmm. The rest of the people know they they can go fuck off. Um, all right, here's the show I've been watching uh, because Dan Reichert, who is now back with Giant Bomb, used to do the uh, New Day podcast on WWE. And he was with Giant Bomb when they had uh, Jeff Gertzman and the rest of the crew on there. But he was on Twitch and he was watching a show called Battle Dome, if anybody remembers that in the late 90s and early 2000s. Oh, yeah, Polly Shore. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, Whoa. Welcome to Battle Dome. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible Polly Shore impersonation, but you're welcome. Yeah. Battle Dome ran from September 1999 all the way to April t- uh, 2001. Uh, it's like a mixture of American gladiators, but it also had like a wrestling side story. Like there was competitors that were uh, competing against each other. Uh, grand prize, by the way, $10,000. Uh, um, so every round, uh, every episode that you finish, you like win like a thousand or something like that. Um, but they had wrestlers. Are you ready for the wrestler's name? Bubba King, the commander, uh, DOA, Jake Fury, Michael O'Dell, Payne, Sleepwalker, uh, and Team Money. And Team Money, and out of everybody, Team Money is the only person I know because it was fucking Terry Crews. <laughs> he was in Battle Dome. What? Yes. <laughs> That's, That's great. Yeah. Did he did he have like the massive pecs and he was like do 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 Old Spice? He he was pl- that. well he was shirtless but he like he wore like uh, Gucci and all that like every designer clothes. And he was team money. You don't fuck with him. He has his all bodyguards around him, and you don't, you don't, you don't mess around with team money. Uh, the commander drives a fucking Humvee into the fucking arena with his, uh, with his wife called Karen. Like that's her name, Karen. Like all the ladies in this are all. <laughs> uh, I'm the commander. This is Karen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, out of all, like, all the women are, like, it's the late 90s, early 2000s. They're all fucking, like, WWE divas and shit, like, puppies and all that stuff. Tits everywhere. Um, and what would happen is they would compete with each other, uh, and then they would compete against these wrestlers. And they had, like, certain um, games, and uh, let me bring them up. We have Anti-Gravity, in- Interceptor. Ultimate Body Slam, Evader, Battle Wall, Battle Hoop, Battle Field, Battle Bridge, and G-Force, and Aerial Kickboxing. 
aerial kickboxing is my favorite part of Battle Dome because there's a there's a redneck guy named Bubba, and he is the shit at fucking aerial kickboxing. And then he shits talk you, and he wears a hat called Redneck. So. <laughs> I, I had fun watching this. I was like, oh my god, this is so corny but delightful, and this is way better than Monday Night Raw today. <laughs> How did you find this? Like, what the? <laughs> so Dan Reichert was pretty much streaming it on, uh, we call it, uh, Twitch, and nobody cares yeah. about the copyrights, so he's not going to get copyrighted strike. <laughs> Damn. And then I, then I looked on YouTube, and apparently most of the episodes are on YouTube, so... So to be clear, this is like a reality show, right? Or is this all scripted like these guys are actors with involved? The wrestlers are scripted. Um, mm -hmm. Like they had a storyline about uh, a ring that someone stole. Uh, and it was the cannib cannibalist guy who ate it. Um, I forgot his name. Um, the guy eats people? He eats rings. Yeah. <laughs> so he stole the ring and then he ate it. And... Then the security, who were dressed up in fucking construction, uh, like, vest and shit, reflector vest, took him backstage, and, and oh my god, the fucking announcers are funny. There's a guy who sounds like this. Let me get ready. All right, guys, we got we got T-Money coming here. He, he's going to do really good. Bubba King is great and all that stuff. He, right, uh, what's going to happen in that ring? Oh, you know what's going to happen. And, like, he's going to poop out the ring. That's how they're going to get the ring. from 106.3 around here. You know, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine basing a whole story around a ring. That's ridiculous. It, they did it, though, for a whole episode. Uh, like they arrested. what you did there. <laughs> oh, okay. I <laughs> That went over my head. Um, but, yeah, yeah no, been too much you want me to get you a box? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's that's actually a deep cut <laughs> got you with the gimli stick yeah uh, that's good yeah but battle dome i i recommend you guys just watch it like it how was, long is it uh 30 to 40 minute episodes uh two seasons about like 20 episodes all together oh, it's not bad. yeah it's not bad but boy it's a to push through i yeah i, I like i like 30 minute episode stuff I'm, I'm sick of everything being an hour or more now that's, that's not very conducive to my lazy but also always late for something like lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh gaming wise um i haven't been playing uh why i nhl i mean that's my guilty pleasure because uh, I'm like, I'm not buying any fucking cards and shit like while well, I'm facing against people that have like 95 overall rating cards and I'm stuck with like the mid 80s and shit but I'm winning. I don't care. I'm good at it. So then I lose and I get angry and then I turn off my Xbox and cry. Um, but it, it, it is time to talk about the Lord of the Rings, the two towers. And right off the bat, uh, because we didn't get enough of Samwise and Frodo because obviously they were still with the Fellowship. Uh, they never had a chance to bond, and this time they are uh, bonding together. Uh, Frodo, as you can tell, the ring is weighing him down. Um, that's where we get more poop face, by the way, because there's a lot of like Frodo being like, mm, eyes are white and all that stuff, and looks like, like about to pass out. Yeah. <laughs> they also start getting into this thing where, like, whenever the ring affects him, his lips are really sticky. Yes. I don't. I don't know what. 
It's so weird. <laughs> you see Gollum's lips? They're always sticky. Good yeah, point. The know, ring must do that to you. Yeah, corruption and, and darkness and evil. It just makes you so moist. Gives you a naturally long life and sticky lips. I have yeah. to I have to admit this. Like when I first watched this back in the early two thousands and shit, like I never really paid attention to the Gollum. I was kind of just like, oh, that dude's fucking crazy. Like, Gollum, Gollum, and all that stuff. And like, Precious and all that stuff. And Master, we need to help Master. But man, that ring fucked him up in the head, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, his whole story arc. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate his dialogue more as an adult. I don't know why. <laughs> no, me too. Like, I used to be when I was younger... All the stuff with Gollum, Sam, and Frodo, I was just like, eh, this is dumb. Let's get back to Gimli, Legolas. Battle for Aragorn. Rohan! Yeah. I want to yeah. see the cool stuff. Like, even, like, uh, even Merry and, and uh, Pippin, them doing the stuff with the ants, like, it's kind of cool. It's in the It was in the middle when I was a kid. I was kind of like, eh, this is okay, but I don't love it. Now it's, like, kind of one of the most compelling parts, because it's, it's very tense. Like, the whole thing tricks you all over the place, because... I never realized it when I was younger. I was just too stupid to realize it. They set up that uh, the armies at Helm's Deep, they're in trouble. They need help. Oh, uh, Mary and Pippin are going to convince the Ents to join the war, and they'll come to the rescue. And then that doesn't happen, and it adds to the stress of what's happening at Helm's Deep and everything else. And then, of course, what happens is even cooler. They go and they storm Saruman's tower, but... I, just that, that kind of stuff that that interlocking the stories was lost on me when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> the whole Mary and Pippin thing—that's another storyline where I was like, like you, Andy. I was like, ah, I can get away with this talking trees. What the fuck? Like, mm. and then like, you know, seeing them having like serious roles compared to like being the joke of the first mo movie because the first movie they're like, when is breakfast and all that stuff, and this one. Like they have their moments, like when they find the fucking uh, the food on like Sauron's uh, Saruman's fucking uh, food room and shit, and they're smoking that weed. Like that's where the comedy comes back in. But I, I do love the part where, uh, again, I always fuck it up. Mary was like pissed, pissed off at like the ENTs and stuff. You're like, what do you mean? Like they they talked for a really long time. They're like, we agree that you are not orcs, you are hobbits. And he's like, that's it? <laughs> like, what the fuck? We just finished saying good morning. It's like, it's night. It's night. <laughs> <laughs> Anything worth saying is worth saying for a long time. <laughs> like but it, it got me, like, we were discussing in Facebook about, like, the rings of power, like, all the lore and stuff. Like, I want to know more about that fucking forest. Like, I, I gotta know if there's a book out there that Tolkien did where it explains it a little bit more. But it I explains some. It's just really old, and when the trees live to be that old, they, you know, mm -hmm. they they learn to talk. They and some of them you learn to walk around, and you know. Yeah, because it seems also like... it's clear it's the place is magical because the two of them are like drinking spring water and stuff like that, and canonically. In the Lord of the Rings, because of it, they end up the two the two tallest hobbits of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So in the movie, in so the movie, weird. they use water, but in the, I referred to this last week, and I said something about it being in a, in a bar or something, but it's it's in the forest. Um, they actually are offered int beer 
It's an int draft from the ints, and that's how they end up uh, getting t- growing taller. They grow taller progressively because they drink the the special like int draft or whatever whenever they're meeting. But yeah, in the movies, they I think they they use the spring water instead. And it's like mystical, but yeah. Um. Oh, the uh, the whole rope thing. Uh, remember we talked about this last episode where Samwise gets the 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 elven rope and all that stuff. That com- yeah, that comes into play in this movie, um, where they're scaling down a mountain and shit. And that's another another part of funny scene where he's like, "Where's the bottom?" And like, <laughs> fucking Frodo falls. <laughs> it's like I found the bottom. <laughs> And uh, I guess because it's magical, like he tugs on it and like it unties. Like, right. Yeah. Magic elven rope. Yeah. So, and um, another another uh, thing I want to bring up is Aragon. Um, another, like, listen, I always know Aragon. Uh, Aragorn uh, was cool, but like, again, I, I I as an adult, I appreciate him even more. Um, because like we explained last episode, he's still trying to find his footing, right? He's still trying to find his, his, his faith of becoming, uh, the leader that he is. And boy, oh boy, does he open up a lot in this where he gets to, uh, you know, correct me by the way, was it Rohan or the, no, no, no. um, everyone else is in Rohan. They're in Gondor. Yeah. Gondor, like <laughs> the they're kid- taken to, um, Oh, what's the name of the city on the river? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but uh, he, he's he's there, and like the king is, you know, finally back because like Gandalf the White is like <laughs> pretty much owns Saruman out of the body, like the I guess the spell or a curse on the king or whatever. Um, yeah, and, that's Rohan. Yeah, you yeah, had that's Rohan. Yeah, yeah, you I think you were talking I about you were talking about Frodo. Oh yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. No, yeah. You're talking about yeah, Aragorn. Yeah, they go to they go to Rohan. Yeah. Like the the king is still the king is like no, we can't fight. We don't have the numbers, and like Aragorn is like we can go get help. And the king is like nah, we're gonna go to Helm's Deep. <laughs> and like even when he's at Helm's Deep, like there's a part where you know they are in the keep area, and like Aragorn's like we need to fucking do something. Like you're the king, you're supposed to show leadership. And then they're like we ride out together, and that's when they ride out in the horses, but. I I appreciate Aragorn even more um, to the point where I want to buy his sword. <laughs> so, um, but what do you guys have to say about anything uh, that you, you skipped wanna... over? Uh, uh, Wormtongue. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. He's, uh, I've always this character so like weird and interesting, and I just like the fact that he's like working for the enemy, but he's just like brainwashing the king. And also I I'm I like him because uh, he's played by Brad Dorif. He's from uh he's actually from the same place Zach is from. They have the same hometown. How do you like that? That's right. Huntington, West Virginia. Hmm. That's neat. Uh, he was in uh oh he was in one flu he's the voice of Chucky. That too. Oh <laughs> that that's creepy. No he he does a lot of really rant his his career's all over the place. It's very strange. He was in uh, the 1984 Dune. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he was interesting. And correct me if I'm wrong. In the ret- like, do they go more into him in the Return of the King, or was he just a Two Towers character, and that's it? I think it's just Two Towers, because at the end of Two Towers, he's trapped in the tower with Saruman. Mm-hmm. I don't recall him being in Return of the King. Yeah, that, that's another like 
side story what, what i would want to know is like how did he hook up with saruman um is he at, at some point did like i i don't know i guess speak with sauron or whatever um it's it's really interesting and i guess he was kept there by the king to make sure he was you know doing his bidding saruman's like he wasn't becoming uh normal again was he like a lookout for saruman worm tongue well well basically what was yeah what was happening is he's kind of an emissary he just he's just literally a pawn just sitting there allowing him to control the king who is then allowing his kingdom and to like just slowly be like degraded while the, the orcs run like just ape shit all over the the rest of the the smaller villages and stuff that are set up and also just like tactically speaking he's just taking out all the different like cavalry and different things that are being sent out um and like everyone else is like well we don't we love our king but even though he seems a little bit crazy we can't explain why he looks like he's aged 100 years we're just gonna let that slide but oh i want to bring a little this... bit of logic gap but yeah whatever <laughs> another thing i want to bring up it's kind of like a, a little little tiny side story plot but you remember the part where like the orcs were coming through the town and shit um and like the mother's like you need to go to rohan and like the two kids get on a horse and leave yeah Where's... those kids have a whole a whole like story in this movie yeah, yeah. A little arc there yeah. yeah they have their little arc but were, uh was there any big story in any books about about them not that i recall no i haven't i haven't really read the lord of the ring books since I... like a long time ago <laughs> Yeah, same. I, but I don't remember them. I think it's just a plot device here. It's more just to like give like a reason, like, hey, we're just not like out of nowhere figuring out they're here. Like, we get a reason to know, hey, they're ta attacking towns, and and you know this is what's happening. Yeah. Um. So I think that's really it. Uh, my boy Carl Ur Urban was in there. Uh, as Eomir. Uh. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Guess who learned that Carl Urban is in this film? Even though I've watched this movie at least 15 times yeah kind of the same like he has such a distinct face but in <laughs> 2004 5 6 7 i didn't know who carl urban was now i'm incredibly aware of who carl urban is <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like I'm right uh, there with yeah. you <laughs> i stared at him a whole bunch as billy butcher and and just very recently and then suddenly see him in this and i'm like is that carl urban with yellow hair, just blonde hair and then I looked it up. I was like, "Oh shit, that is! I know his face anywhere." I, I know him. From, I know him from different things. At the end of the movie, uh, Gandalf turns up, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's Gandalf." And Carl Urban's behind him. Was like, "Yeah, Dred's here. You guys are fucked up." <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that's the first person I thought of was Judge Dredd. I was like, "Fuck yeah, Dredd is here." Um, another thing I want to bring up. It's it's again linking off with Aragorn. Um, uh, when he's, uh, fuck, what is the Liv Tyler, Tyler's fucking elf name? What's her name? No, uh, Liv Tyler is, uh, fuck. Um, uh, Arwen. There you go. Yeah. 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 And Tyler's daughter. Yeah. Arwen, like, <laughs> and. Tyler's daughter. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy <laughs> to me, though, for real. Like, I was like. Well, she she wasn't in very many movies before this, and it was just, just Lord of the Rings. It's like why? <laughs> but see, here's the thing: is once you hear that, you'll never forget it because it, Tyler is a common last name. So be, I would not blame someone for not just putting the link together. But once you do, and you realize she has Stephen Tyler's lips, it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense because she does, and you'll never unsee that now. 
so I'll put it this way. Steven Tyler's daughter and Agent Smith are talking. Um, and, <laughs> and, and like, she's like, loves Aragorn. And he's like, you know, you're going to die. Like, like you're going to be alone because he's going to be dead soon. And you're just going to be, you know, depressed all the time. And he's like, no, I'm still going to go. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> Do you, what is what is everyone's opinions on how all the elf stuff is shot in this movie? Because it's so unlike. I, I don't know a lot of other fantasy or sci-fi or or you know comic book or any any other kind of movies where they do that weird thing with whenever the elves are there, the color grading is like way blue, and the sound mm -hmm. is really weird, and everything's slow, and they do a bunch of like like oh sideways shot in my face so, and like well weird tracking and stuff and it makes it like really dreamlike and strange like do you like it do you hate it did you I, even notice it was different i don't know if it's made for like obviously it's made for us because we have to see the movie but like i wonder if that's how like the l <laughs> like see the world <laughs> sometimes actually are well yes yeah, yeah so i I don't think it's so much that, and, it, and it's I've had this conversation with someone before, but we were we were also potentially indulging in in in, in the herbs, but you're stoned. Um, yeah, we were, we're stoned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, we had this conversation about how the reason that they're that way is because the way they are described in the books is that the view of the elves themselves are so different and mystical, like to other people, that is how they appear. So the idea in the movies is that they, they put them under, it's almost like there's some type of like change in like the lens or something as you're looking through the camera so that in a first person view, you're seeing this and that's how you would view the elves because they look so mystical. Again, that's kind of why we're, Legolas just, just looks so seamlessly like cool and, and kind of badass and just like, he just kind of does whatever he wants and he's mystical and it is what it is. Also, um, if, you pay, if you pay attention, uh, Aragorn... Gimli, everyone else gets like filthy, and Legolas it's almost never spotless. has anything on him. He's just, it's just, yep. he's an elf. That's just how they are. Yeah, elves are just always clean. It's like, yeah. Let's talk about Gimli, because uh, <laughs> this, this is where he shines in this movie. Oh. Gimli yes. always shines. He just shines brightest in this movie. Yes. Yeah, he, he definitely shines brightest in this movie. The the lines he he spits out in this movie are great. You're gonna have to toss me. This is where they start keeping track of how many kills they've got. <laughs> I really like uh, 43. Yeah, and he was still twitching. Yeah, he's got my axe buried in his nervous system. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. I was like, what do you know about a nervous system? But okay, uh, like this, I, I just think it's a funny thing. It's like, do dwarves know anatomy? Like, do they have like this? What, what are like, things, if not the nervous system of the mountain? Ah, uh, he got me there. <laughs> dumb. First, it's like all men are evil and dwarves are all dumb. Yeah. Uh, I also really enjoy the scene. I don't know why. I love it. I watched it three times over. Uh, but the scene where he is on the horse and, and it takes off. Him, and like, it was deliberate. Deliberate. Uh, no, I like uh, people think there are no dwarven women. Like they just spring out of the ground. And she like looks back at her going, it's the beards. <laughs> Yeah, because I just learned that uh, both men and women have beards, uh, the dwarves and stuff. Um, and I was like, ah, I get it now. Uh, I also like the part where he puts on the armor. And he's like, it's tight around the chest area or the, the bust. Um, and then, like, it falls to the ground. And they're, like, laughing and shit. 
Uh, but man, Gimli, Gimli is amazing in this. Uh, oh man, he 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 shines bright. Uh, I I I laugh my ass off every time at Helm's Deep where like the army's lining up and shit and. Shit's about to get serious. Like, what's happening? What's going on? You can't see over the fucking wall. Yeah. Did I get you a box? And then he smiles up at should, him. Should I describe it to you? Or would you like me to get you a box? He's just like, yeah. ha! And then the battle just starts. <laughs> there's no, there's actually... immediately to something else. It's just really weird. Yeah. That's, a, that's actually such a great scene, though, to show. Like, they, they literally are about to stare down knowing that they're they're pretty much going to die, right? Like, outside, they, they, don't under, like, they don't know that they're going to get the help that they are. So they're basically facing their death, and even knowing that, and not literally not being able to see anything, it, there's just still that like bond that's been formed between him and Legolas. And you look compared to the, the contrast in the beginning of, of Fellowship when they're first introduced and everyone's arguing, um, like it's actually really great to know that he's still able to smile through that, knowing they're facing death, but he's facing it with his friend. Mm. I actually think it's a really like it's a really deep scene that like you just very easy to miss that maybe I'm I'm overthinking it but I think it's really cool I I it meant more to me this time watching it than it has other times that is really neat. Uh, another scene where like everybody's like freaking out because of the ladders and like Gimli's happy because he's gonna get battle. He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, come on! I think he heard. He was like encouraging them. <laughs> Let's talk about the battle itself at Helm's Deep. I tried to like look back like the only thing uh, like the uh, only other thing that like lines up to like a good battle scene on camera is saving private Ryan D-Day uh, and all that stuff. Um, but man, the battle of Helm's Deep, I, I is probably one of the best battles in cinema, in my opinion. I, I, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's the best battle in the trilogy. And, you know, that includes all the stuff at the end of Return of the King. I just feel like there's never more at stake. And in addition, it's just shot so well. It's at <laughs> night, but it's still lit perfectly. You can still see everything. And I, I don't know. It's just, you know, I'm just my way of agreeing with you. It's, it's, it's mostly the how much there is at stake. Like this battle is the most emotional and it's still just shot wonderfully. I love that it's raining. Yeah. I, they're literally pinned against the wall like this again until they until like the things that happen do happen and Gandalf is able to return with the riders of Rohan. They are literally facing death. It's not even a fight or a battle. It it literally is them getting ready to face death. Like the, it's just inevitable execution, but they managed to find a way to survive it. Um, and yeah, there is, it's a turning point, not to mention the ends and everything else. Uh, that's a whole separate thing is still happening, which is equally awesome. Um, but yeah, what did you have to say about the, the, the battle there, Dubs? Uh, I, uh, before the battle starts, the, the, the L's that come, uh, to the rest, I marked out, uh, even though I knew that happened, like, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, man, when the, the L's and the men fighting together and shit, and then, like, Ar like, the actual happiness of Aragorn be like, fuck, man, <laughs> I thought we were gonna lose. That's one of my favorite parts, too, like, uh. I was going to split this movie across two nights just because the way my work schedule was working out, I didn't have enough time. But I stayed up a little later than I meant to because I just had to get to the part where the elves arrive at Helm's Deep. I really like that part. Mm -hmm. and, and the part where, like, uh, they shoot the arrows, right? The, the, the scene that always captures my eyes is, like, when the archers that are behind the wall are shooting over the heads. And, like, you see the arrows is zooming past Aragorn's fucking head. Like... 
you gotta know man these are fucking elves man they 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 have accuracy they know what they're doing <laughs> like the it, if this were men it'd be like that guy who did the first shot and like it would hit like aragon right in the back of the head if men were behind him oh yeah the several hundred dick cheney's over and over all these men falling <laughs> off that shot in the back oh, oh well but yeah no, the elves are too cool they don't miss just, i mean that old good. guy who fucks up and fires first he does get a kill <laughs> Yes, he does. Yeah, so, yeah, it was a good shot. You got to write a good it. aim. He's just not good at at holding that bowstring back. Yeah, He's trigger happy. He got it because uh, remember, right after he k kills that guy, like uh, uh, Legolas goes, "You got to get under the neck or under the armpit because of the the heart, I guess." Um, and I'm like, "Wait, that guy shot him under the neck. He he did he did a good thing." <laughs> uh, the orcs, by the way um fucking terrifying like i remember as a kid like that one <laughs> orc that sits on the rock and he's like oh, oh. i was like holy shit <laughs> this is getting intense uh there's more close-ups of the the orcs in this one. yes and goddamn whoever does like all the the makeup the prosthetics for them that's fucking sick yeah it's excellent mm -hmm. so you can tell it's people it, that's that's people under there mm-hmm uh another part of that battle is like when the guy is doing like the olympics fucking torch fucking scene before they blow up the uh what was that torch it was like he was he was holding like a sparkler on yeah, steroids like a sparkler. Like, why do they do that just <laughs> go up there and just like use flint and steel or something like what why i don't know it, it works they don't know dramatic. about subtlety it's just it's just like yeah that's a good point i, I just remember i think i think what actually happened is tolkien made a bet with someone and and said that one day he he would write he would write in a story about the, the Olympic torchbearer and he would include it in the story and and there it is I don't know I'm, I'm full of shit in saying that there's no bearing at all in truth of that but <laughs> I think that's why it's there I off the bat had to put it in there do you think Saruman told them what was gonna happen when they set that on fire no. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, they do. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Because they're all like standing right up on the wall. Because you're like, like, put these in there and light it on fire, and you'll get inside. He didn't even tell Wormtongue what that shit was. Like when he was making it in his lab or whatever, he's making gunpowder, and he's, like, he's, got, like a, he's got like a fucking candle. He's like, what is this? And he just, he's just like, he's like, get away, stupid. What was with him crying? You know when he walks out there and he sees like the whole army and everything, like it's the giant orc army they made. You know, he like cried at that. Yes, a tear runs. It. I don't know if it's supposed to be. It's like he's he's just um, he's so overwhelmed, overtaken with emotion over like this is an incredibly large army. I really think even though he's evil and he's been corrupted by Saruman, I think he sees it. And he realizes. Wow, this is an army that can exterminate my entire race. Because I have to imagine that Saruman corrupted him and tempted him into servitude by saying, "Oh, I'm going to give you a, a kingdom. I'm going to give you power." And he sees this army, and he's like, "All of mankind will be murdered by these monsters." Mm -hmm. I think that's what that that's how I interpreted it. I like to think he was just so fucked up that he thought it was truly beautiful, and he was overcome by emotion. <laughs> it's like watching a baby be born. Yeah, no, I, I I like Andy's take a little more because I, I think. He he mirrors he doesn't mirror so much as someone as like truly evil again. Men in this are portrayed. The whole point is they're supposed to overcome their weakness of being able to be so easily corrupted. But deep down, they all have some type of more uh, like 
morality and they're they're not just inherently just just all evil um he's just a coward so that's the whole thing is like he sees that and he's literally cowering he's just terrified of it realizing oh i'm not gonna get the things i'm promised everyone's gonna die including me Mm -hmm. um yeah so i I like that take more but then again thinking he's just like oh this is beautiful that is kind of funny uh i got a question about that with the the whole orc army stuff what was the time frame of that? Like, cause you don't see all of those, like, obviously I guess they're underground in their, the, the poop cave and all that stuff, <laughs> pooping out some orcs. But like, do you think that the movies should have put like some type of time frame so that we know, or do you think it was just yet like common sense that there was I don't a lot think of it's required? Like yeah. if you really need to know, I think you can look it up. I think you could read the books. Like, if you saw the movie, you're like, oh, wonder all this stuff. But if you're just watching the movie, I don't think it's too important. I think all you need to know is that Saruman wanted an army, and he built an army by God. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing to take in there is that as we're showing the scenes, that army has been being built, like, entirely, like, through the continuity of the story. So, like, in reality, even though they're showing that scene then, it actually could have been happening as early as, like, in the middle of, like, the Fellowship. Because... Timeline wise, the orc army it, it, it took months to actually put together. But in terms of like the chronology of the the film and, and everything there, I mean they have they do have a timeline. Like you're following days, right? Like they're not in Rohan very long. Like they go to Helm's Deep rather quickly. There's only what it's five days between whenever Gandalf leaves and then they get there, get settled, the, the battle happens. Yeah. yeah, so like they, there is a timeline to follow there. Um, but in terms of like the the actual army being built, like that's something that's an ongoing thing that's happening. Just as how like we, we're going to get to the next film and see how it's not just the orc army, but you also have the the um, I can't remember what direction that is. Are they from the east? Yeah, uh, yeah. They get all those. I can't wait for that. I love the fucking elephants. The war elephants are so cool. But uh, uh, the elephants. Thank you. Uh, the uh, when they recruit the other like mercenary army to also fight with them, uh, like. All those things are ongoing things that are happening. Like at the same time, it's just you're getting pieces of it to be aware of the magnitude of what they're facing, if, if that makes sense. So, so I agree with Andy. You don't need to know that part, but there is a, like a timeline. It's five, like effectively within uh, what maybe a week, a little more. Uh, that's not true because there's there's like the three days they ride or whatever um, when they first see Gandalf. Within two weeks, I'm guessing. Most of it's within five days. Yeah, because I like. <laughs> That's when Wormtongue was like, we need an army. Like, we need a huge army. This is Helm's Deep we're talking about. And, like, they go out, like, we have we have the army. <laughs> and then we get this, mm-hmm. the tear in the eye and all that. Maybe maybe he's pulling a Ric Flair fucking uh, 1992 fucking promo. With a tear in my eye! <laughs> like, he was happy about that. Uh, anyway, watch Getting Some Color every, thir- every bi-weekly Thursday. Um, anyway, um, let's talk about Faramir, right? That's another character that is linked to Boromir. They do so much more with that character in the extended version. I fucking I like I don't think I'll ever be able to watch the theatrical version again. Oh, by the way, I think I realized I'd never seen the extended cut of Two Towers before because a lot of this was new to me. I, I just I don't remember it at all somehow. But anyway, uh I couldn't even remember Boromir's name. I, I couldn't remember like what his deal was. I, they cut almost everything except exe- absolutely what they have to have out of his story for the theatrical cut of this movie. 
And that is a huge shame because he's actually a really interesting character and it makes his redemption all the more poignant because obviously he not only wants the ring for obvious, you know, the same reasons Boromir wants the ring. He wants the ring to help save his kingdom, but also he wants the ring so that his father will love him. Yeah. Like, that's so much more than even Boromir had going on, but he is able to resist the temptation to just, just reach out and take the ring. Cause it's his basically, he could just have the ring. He's, he's mm-hmm. taking it. He's sending it right to his father or he could just take it himself. It wouldn't matter. He it's, he'd be unstoppable in doing so, but he's able to resist the temptation and it, in a way, it kind of redeems Boromir in a way as well. And it just, it makes his character so much more interesting. Oh, I hope he doesn't die. He's such a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes, and well, the other thing too is that if you don't have that extra context uh, for his character and, and, and build, it, what happens in the next film like, is so much more striking if, yeah. if you ha- having it. So not having it, it's like, it's kind of empty. I mean, it's still kind of sad, but it has way much more uh, weight to it now that you have like this build up and the, the duality between him and his brother, the fact that, uh, and you know what, again, too, it also gets to show that Boromir is a, you know, was a good person and he was the beloved son, but also like he, it also helps almost justify why he was willing to do what he needed to for the ring because he was doing anything he could to save his kingdom. Um, and all, but also they're both pleasing their father. Um, well, yeah. they uh, they had the scene where like the king's like Boromir, I want you to go to like <laughs> uh, Rivendell about the the you know the the meeting and shit about the fellowship, and like Boromir didn't want to do that, <laughs> and like Faramir is like I'll do it, and he's like ugh, <laughs> like he was disgusted. Mm-hmm. And that was... again, we're, spoilers. We're gonna we're gonna get to it, but like the, the stuff that happens at close toward the end of Return of the King. When effectively he sends Faramir to his death to just die to defend Gondor, and then he gets him back, and he's not actually dead, but he's like, "No, put him on the funeral pyre. Uh, pyre. My son is dead," referring to Boromir. Like Faramir doesn't even matter. Like that—that's that much more heartbreaking. Having the story to know now that without Faramir deciding to do the right thing, like you know, mm-hmm. again, it, victory was basically assured for for Sauron. You know, so it's it's actually really poignant. I I really like that that's there. I agree with you. I I know I've seen the extended cut, but I didn't remember the backstory part. Yeah, um, me either. either. I did not remember the Faramir backstory uh, scene there, and there are a couple other little things that are added. Uh, it it that might just be because it's not cool action shit. I think. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. It, again, it doesn't stick out as obvious stuff, but there are a few little bits like that with Aragorn. I thought that I, I didn't directly remember, like little bits that he has with um. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, is Eowyn, uh, Eowyn's character? Like, there's a little more dialogue. It's not much more, but a little no, more yeah, kind of hint. Like his ancestral, his like his heritage. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Who was uh, what was the uh, Rohan's uh, niece, uh, the Joan of Arc character? <laughs> yeah, it's Eowyn. That's what I was referring to. Eowyn. Yeah, Eomir and uh, Keith Urban's character and Eowyn, their brother and sister. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the, those are the ones. I think in the book she's just like mentioned a few times, like she's around, but she doesn't mm-hmm. go on to greatness like she does in the movies. I think they were like, we need a few more female characters. Who can we like develop? Mm-hmm. And and so they did. Now, I'm a little bit fuzzy on Return of the King, uh, but it seems like in the Two Towers she had feelings for Aragorn. Am I reading that right? 
Oh yeah. 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 Oh, and, that, and it's definitely like a thing that it's a contentious thing in in Return of the King. Again, I don't remember that. I don't recall there being as much of that in the books. I, I could be wrong too if I'm just not remembering it. But yeah, the the plot between that and uh, Aragorn's feelings, uh, I don't think they're brought up as much in the books. Um, and definitely what happens in Return of the King later on with her and the Witch King. That's that's a different. That, that's that's added to the movies. Yeah, that, that's all made up for the movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, it's cool. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. Uh, Zach, do you have anything you want to bring up? Um, no, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hate this movie. He's sitting it. here just like in grumbling. Mm-hmm, I'm a troll. Don't don't throw me. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I really like the stuff with the the the, the hobbitses and and, and Gollum, Schmeagol this time. Uh. I kind of remember always thinking he was like a pretty creepy character, but like now, now that I'm like a lot older and I can like fully understand his dialogue and even pick up on like really subtle things, like when he's arguing with himself, if you notice, you look at his eyes, his eyes change every time when his personality changes. His pupils get real big when he's smeagol, when they get real small when he's yelling at himself. Yeah, his whole facial expression changes. Yeah, I, I constantly will quote uh, Gollum. That's how I irritate and annoy my wife while she's cooking. She'll put things in it. Uh, tell you what, though, brave thing. You must really love the person that you're with, and also know, they know that you love them to call them a stupid fat hobbit. That's that's gonna be really careful there. But sometimes my, she'll be putting something in there, and I go, "Stupid fat hobbit!" It ruins it. And she gets really upset with me, but she forgives me. So. Oh man, uh, I just love the fact that he's not just being like. You're, you're ruining this. He's like pitching a fit, rolling all over, and screaming. He's a, to- he's, he's he's a toddler. He's like, it turns his ass. Where's the fish? I read that live and wriggling. He's like, he just wants to enjoy it actively dying because he's corrupt and dark from the ring, but he's also a toddler. I like how he. Yeah. <laughs> <It's weird. laughs> That's why you don't turn toddlers into vampires because they're fucking terrifying. And he chokes yeah. on the fucking elven b- bread. <laughs> and he's like, hot. Potatoes? The thing where he like fucking argues with himself and tells Gold to go away because I guess Frodo's nice to him. So it's like, oh, it kind of works on him for a little while. And then the whole thing with King Faramir. Yeah, the trick. They sell it's, him out. It's sad. Yeah. Uh, Faramir's group. Uh, what would you classify that? Were they like rogues in some? Like they were all wearing hoods. They look like a bunch of Robin Hoods. They're like rangers. Or rangers. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. Something like that. Yeah. His whole and they they kind of touch on that a little. His entire story is I, I don't remember the name of that that like ruins where they're at, but they just recently had to reclaim that. He he was on patrol to basically watch like as a scout, but it was lost to the orcs. Boromir reclaimed it for Gondor. And yeah, that was why about it in that one scene a lot. Yeah, they talk. Oh, basically, he he was at Faramir's watch. The orcs took it over. Boromir had to rescue them to save it back. And so that's why his father's like, ah, oh, yeah, you're a failure once again. You fucked this up. Yeah, and he's and just I'm like, assuming it was he's just me and like a couple it. dozen people. That's not fair. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and then uh, but I think that's his whole thing is he's basically patrolling that area where near where those ruins are, and that's when they they found him. And again, the. Gotta wear what they need to to try to stay somewhat disguised, since you know there are orcs that are 
rolling around trying to to kill people. Also, like, again, geographically, they are they are very close. Like again, you're you're near the north. Like you're you're very close to Mordor, right? Like you're you're right there on the cusp of where the the enemies is. So I mean, um, just just beyond that river is a small forest, and just beyond that forest is the mountains that are the border for Mordor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that city is like the edge of Gondorian, whatever the right word is, territory. So that's why it's. I guess it's been fought over for a couple generations between the two sides. I always think mm-hmm. about it's right there on the river. It's all fucked up. They keep taking it back from each other. It always makes me think about Stalingrad. Don't know why. I think about that every time I see this <laughs> movie. And um, you go. Oh, I was gonna say. Uh, I also like the part where they're in the 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 marsh or whatever. Like Frodo falls in the water. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a horror movie for like fifteen seconds. Oh yeah, the Dark Souls water. Never go in yeah. the water. That was, that was pretty cool. And then and then Gollum Spiegel saves him. And I was like, whoa, he saved him. Did you find that odd a little bit? Because like I would think Samwise would be the first one to jump in, but like Gollum was the one that like got he him. He was closer. Gollum was closer. Yeah. yeah. I think had- both of them, it's kind of implied they're both like, What the fuck? Gollum just like saved him and then it just was like, Let's go. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Come on, don't look at the lights is and then <laughs> I also like uh, nobody really talked about this stuff, but the the stuff with who's the, is King of Rohan's name Theoden? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the guy that plays him is like fucking awesome. Yeah, no, he's great. And like the stuff with him, I always remembered that from when I watched this movie a super long time ago when they broke his his curse and it was like super dramatic and stuff. And the, the music mm-hmm. and he like throws Worm Tongue out of the fucking kingdom and he was like gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, the stuff, like, I think this was in the extended, and because I, I don't remember this, uh, the stuff where it's like, oh, they, they pretty much bury a son in a tomb and shit. And he's just like, you shouldn't have to bury your children. It's like, it's like damn, that was rough to watch. Yeah. Yeah, they... The the tomb and um Eowyn singing that's that's extended. But then like the scene with him and Gandalf where he's out there and he's like breaking down. No one should have to bury their child. And he, he talks about how he's gonna go. He's going to rest with the, in the halls with his fathers, um, like that. That is still in the regular cut. That's theatrical. But the okay. it, the stuff singing in Aowen's there. But I remember even seeing that when I was younger. I was like, oh, that's such a rough thing. And you know, it's even like think of this, like the like how that kind of lines up. He definitely would have killed Wormtongue if he would have known his son was dead. He does not know that his son is dead whenever he is ready to attack him. Yeah, after but that, he's like, where is my son? Yeah, he he would have definitely killed him. No, nothing would have held him back. But uh, he was grief stricken. It's just kind of like the weight that's put on him as a leader. And I think his dynamic with Aragorn is very important. To Aragorn's character development to realize, well, you just can't show up and just do this or like tell people the reality of things. Like you have to be a leader. You have to you have to inspire people. And sometimes that means telling people that everything's okay when there's no hope at all. Um, and that actually ties in later to uh, when Aragorn then talks to the child and like gives him hope and everything. It's it's the exact same thing. Uh, so it was kind of cool. Like Aragorn, like there's a lot owed to Aragorn's character from how Theoden leads his people. Um, so I think it's really cool. Well, the stuff with the uh, the the Carl Urban sister can't remember her name. Aowen. Aowen. Yeah. Yep. He, he's telling her. He's giving her advice on what to do. Just kind of unwittingly. 
Yeah, want to point out that if it weren't, we settled on it, but Aowen was also almost my daughter's name. We almost named her Aowen, but we went with Evangeline instead, which is cool because she's a Pokemon, because she's Eevee. Yeah, but Aowen's pretty good. Aowen's a pretty sweet name. But anyway. uh, I don't know what you're thinking. Is it Melina? Yeah. Did we talk (laughs) Gandalf the White? Like, um, I did like how they introduced him, by the way, because, like, when the ENTs bring Merry and Pippin and drop him, like, you're like, oh, shit, it's fucking... Did you say the ENTs? ENTs? Yeah, what's up with that? It, why are you and... saying it, he is not an otolaryngologist? Okay, to be fair, int is a short term for it. They are treants, but int is that what they refer to them in the lore. They even call the themselves ints. He says the yeah, ints are going to war. ENT to the movie. ENT ints tomato tomato same thing. <laughs> well, when the ENTs take the H O B B I T S to I S E N G A R D, they see that S A U. Or, oh, forget this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The, the, I don't know uh, how many vowels are in Saruman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when the ent, uh, when the ent, uh, Treebeard, uh, brings it, uh, Mary and Pippin and drops him, I'm like, oh shit, fucking Saruman. But then, like, obviously, next scene, you know, it's fucking Gandalf the the White and stuff because that's when Aragorn. Uh, Gimli and Legolas, they're in the forest and stuff, and you know you see the, the wizard. Can we can we talk about that for a second? Sure. How how Gandalf comes back and he explains like what happened. Yeah, that... he's like, okay, so they just fell down a big hole in a, in a mountain, and then somehow they ended up somewhere else on top of a, a mountain, the tallest peak of the lowest dungeon. This, what? But, <laughs> I, I think it's supposed to just infer a weird mythical place that we can't even comprehend somewhere yeah. that only immortal beings and demons can do battle it's just like i guess so an yeah. amorphous impossible crazy place so but also yeah. i assume <laughs> that in tolkien's version of the world it's not like you go through the earth's crust and then it's just like solid nonsense it's, there's got to be like crazy wondrous it's you know, called tunnels. middle earth yeah, it's, yeah. There are layers. You know, play Elden Ring. And then I'm sure there's a lot of extra shit going on. I, mean, I, I buy it. I just and that whole part kicks ass too. Like, yeah, why we came back to Thunderbolt to stab the Balrog to death. It's cool as hell. Yeah. Oh, and then he smote his ruins where they lie. Don't forget mm-hmm. that. Yeah. That it is badass. I'm glad we came back to this because that like initial cut where they show him fall again and then he goes over it all. It, it, it is badass. That, that shot where they the camera comes way the heck back and it's just like a huge body of water and you see the light first and then the two of them start plummeting. That's one of the best shots in the whole movie. I love it. Oh, oh yeah, it's really cool. The way so it looked... Did he die and come back? That's yes. like literally what yes, happens. Yes. yes. Yeah. Literally what happens. Yeah, yeah wizards sure. Yeah, wizards are reincarnated and like the like the basically what they decided was when they die, they they are basically go back to like their their home plane or whatever of existence. It's but weird. it was decided he was needed again. Yeah. So he basically he leveled up and he moved into the, the same like ranking or standing that Saruman was in because Saruman was no longer a white wizard in that sense. He's he's black. Okay, he had fallen from grace. He was no longer so Gandalf was the oh, white, white wizard. Yeah. So, and that's why he that's why he makes the comment about I, I am Sauron or what Sauron should be to this world. That's that's yeah. exactly why he makes that comment. So 
uh, I follow this YouTuber called Nerd of the Rings and stuff, and he takes well, all that's about yeah. He takes all the books and he like takes every character and shows their travel. Um, so like each character, he ha will have like a map of Middle Earth and tell him uh, where he goes and what happens when he travels. Apparently, Tolkien made a god in this world um, that is like the equivalent to like a god in Christian Christianity or Islam and all that stuff, uh, which is a higher power. So I like when I saw that in uh, the two towers, like, well, maybe he saw whatever god figure that Tolkien told, like it didn't show him, but it showed that he died and he got reincarnated. I wonder if he went through that, you know, realm uh, where that god is. We'll never know. Um, but it's interesting that Tolkien did make a god, and there is other gods as well uh, in this world too. Um, mm -hmm. So, but it, it, oh, go ahead, finish. No, I was just gonna say. So it's just interesting uh, going off of what Zach said, and you guys, you know, agreeing is that he died and came back, uh, like reincarnated into the. Yeah, I mean, they they even say that's what it is. By the way, um, I just I. We, no way that you can downplay how cool Gandalf is in this movie, but I love that uh, they're like, we need to attack him really fast. If he speaks, you know, he'll destroy us. And they try to attack him, and he basically, uh, it, the three things he does to each of them have all become D&D spells. It's like mm -hmm. thunder, smite, and deflection, I think, or something like that. <laughs> that cracks me up. It's just, um, uh, you know, Gary Gygax and all of them are just stealing straight from it. But also, I like that uh, he needs a horse, so he summons a horse, and they're like, wow, this is an excellent horse. He's like, yeah, this horse is the lord of all horses. Mm -hmm. this, this horse is in charge of the horses. It's the best horse ever. <laughs> and they, like, kind of, they, I mean, they, they they act with reverence for a second, but really, then they just brush over it. He just has, has the horse god as his mouth. <laughs> Yeah. yeah that's sweet uh so i what i was gonna bring up too it's, it's something that's kind of neat it's not it's subtle but it also is related to lore within the the, the greater universe of middle earth and and the story you know of course gandalf doesn't really remember anything because again he's not he's he's effectively reincarnated so he can recall bits and pieces or knows like things of his past plays like, oh, I was called Gandalf the Grey, and he kind of vaguely remembers things. But his personality is also different. He's still kind of the same person, but it's actually more about like he takes on more of the traits of the last things he did before he died. He's... Which were he is a badass. He's much more like likely to jump to the sword and fight. And he's also uh more courageous. Because the last thing he did was he sacrificed himself to save the others. Do without you, you know thinking everything out do you think he's a clairvoyant in any way because because mm. uh, like listen like i understand this is a fantasy world but like he knew the exact time that he would show up at like the exact hour and and, and day um it, it seems like he knew he was going to be there at that point at helm's deep do you think oh, I see what you're saying now. I mean, I, I thought you were going to go somewhere differently with that. I mean, no. I don't think he, I don't think he was clairvoyant, but I think there, yeah, I think at this point now with his new powers, yes, he he probably does have some some ability to see into the the future, know those timings. Um, I mean, that that's kind of tied into more of some of the stuff that happens in in Return of the King too, when he sends, you know, when Aragorn has to return and get the, the ghost army which boy i can't wait to talk about that plot device uh but uh 
but anyway, uh, like that, those things are, are there, but I don't think he had that ability before, if that makes sense. I, I don't think he had that as Gandalf the Gray, but as Gandalf the White, yeah, mm-hmm. you can see that. I just think he's just the best planner ever. A wizard always arrives precisely when he means to. He's, it's like one of the first things he says. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's just a wizard thing. He just knows, all right, I'm going to go do all this other stuff. I'm going to like bang my side piece. I got to pick up fucking Doritos. <laughs> I got to go get the writer's <laughs> row hand. That's going to take me about four days. And then I'll have a nap. And then dot of the fifth day. Yeah. If anybody is watching and is an artist, can you please take Andy's voice and then draw, you know, Gandalf banging someone, getting Doritos <laughs> and all that? That'd be great. 3D Doritos are only in stores for a limited time. He's got to get them now or never. He can't get them later. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to see if we if we commissioned that to have someone do it, which Dorito they decided to go with that would represent, that would be worthy of of the Wizard wizard of White. It, well, if it's a 3D Doritos, it has to be the jalapeno cheddar. Oh, oh, look at that. Man of class. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about this. We missed those rips. I was there 3,000 years ago when Jalapeno Cheddar 3D Doritos existed. <laughs> and when there was only two Pokemon games. When, when men failed to bring them back when it was time. <laughs> when, the, when the 3D Doritos failed. Uh, do, not, do not quote the dark magic to me, which I was there when it was written. Oh, wait, that's the wrong, that's the wrong series. That's the wrong series. <laughs> Ah, you were born in the... You love the Cool Ranch. I was born in it. It's molded by it. Yeah, I'm Team Cool Ranch. If, if, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, jalapeno Cheddar, that's what's up. But, but fuck them kids. It's, it's all about the Cool Ranch. <laughs> he, he's, he's old. Maybe it's the, the Taco Bell taco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go there again. <laughs> uh, back on track, the Lord of the Rings. Uh, one thing I want to bring up, uh, and I said it in Facebook last night, uh, where Samwise is doing the speech to Frodo and all that stuff. I'm like, God damn, this hit me in the feels and all that stuff. I told you, Sam's the most important character. I told you. Yeah. Like, the you know, the the shadow, it just passes. We're, we're going to get through this. He's, like, showing optimism in a way. And, you know, kind of go, like, I, I it's going to sound so stupid and cliche to me. But, like, with all the political climate and, and like, and all that stuff and all the, the hate and and garbage that are happening right now. Like this brought me like the shadow will pass eventually. And then, you know, there will be victory at the end. And like, th- that's how I looked at it. Th- this one a- as an adult listening to Samwise talk to a friend, I was like, I'm not going to lie. I got a little emotional. Uh, and plus the music doesn't help. Like if this movie was like fucking silent, I bet you like certain scenes wouldn't hit that much. <laughs> Um, but the, the music, Howard Shore, right? I believe so. Thanks, yeah, he did it. He did it, man. Yeah, music is great. Well, again, Ned, we've already—that's I've spoiled this last week, but it, the one of the big reasons why this is my my favorite film in the trilogy is because of how strongly it highlights the importance of Sam. Like, it is very clear in this film. This again, even. Frodo says it. Frodo would not have gotten very far with the one for Samwise the Brave. He's very something. true. Yep. It's, yeah. It's like it's very very true. Uh, Sam takes him multiple times. And again, we'll continue on through the rest of the the film, but like it's or the trilogy. But but yeah, this is it's very set here. Samwise is, is very important because he he even though Frodo's there to bear the weight of darkness, the true the true bearer of hope is, is Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh my God, when the uh... <laughs> 
the ring rates and shit shit they, they upgraded they went from fucking horses to fucking dragons and stuff oh dude those all oh, the nazgul's the nazgul's are fucking badass mm -hmm. oh they're terrifying fucking dark ass worms that fly and shit i and mean they, they're just they're they're evil dragons they're wraith dragons and they just destroy that structure while frodo's like jizzing and plays like Ooh. <laughs> and then they're like, here. <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah <laughs> It, what's funny is like I, I talk about how Frodo and Sam scenes are awesome, but like every time like Fro when it's Frodo just himself, I'm like, ah, get, get where's Sam? Where's Samwise? Bring him back. Mm -hmm. Um, ring of Sam. He yeah, handled it fine. He wouldn't even fucking broke. <laughs> he would put it in that damn box that has all the salt in it, and, and it would have just stayed in there the whole time. Yeah. Well, which one? Yeah, that that's another line too. We're like bringing a little home with them. I was like, ah, <laughs> fucking salt. <laughs> like, 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 why? You almost had Frodo kill himself for a box of fucking salt. <laughs> okay, so actually, let's talk about that for a sec. So you talked about how that sh the speech when he talks about the shadow and the day being important. Mm -hmm. Again, it holds more weight because it is more direct. But but if you think about the context of what he says there, that's that hits a lot hard too because he's explaining to him why he brought it. Oh, this is the best salt in the Shire. And he's like, why would you bring that? He's like, oh, because, you know, we'll be able to cook and do this. And it's like, Sam is still holding on to the optimism that this trip is still going to be like a pleasure trip. Like, they're he's going to find the best of everything, not realizing, nope, you guys are going to pretty much, like, barely scrape by and, and nearly die making it there. In fact, everyone else around you that even sent you on this quest assumes you're going to either die on the way or you're well, going to die assumes that, too. Sleep. That's like, the elves are having their mind meeting or whatever mm -hmm. yeah it was like frodo has come to realize that this mission will claim his life yeah no exactly and that's the whole thing Frodo. it's not just that frodo's corrupted but frodo just realized like the the true nature of it like the, you're not going home so sam keeps quoting oh we're gonna go home and he's bringing up the shire and all these fun memories oh yeah i'm gonna make a meal for us we're gonna have plenty of time to cook some and roast some chicken and, and have a good time and and you can actually see frodo's like just barely clinging on there and like holding on to that grip of, of hope because it's like, no, no, we're not. This is really dark, but he needs, he needs that. He doesn't realize that toward the, until the end of the film, he, he realizes when he's able to say no, you're the one actually kept us together. If it wasn't for you bringing up these silly things that, you know, we can't actually do, we wouldn't make it very far because the darkness would claim us. So well, same is the, the light that keeps him there. Well, that's why I like the, like the writing is so good that there is consequences in this world. Like, obviously with Frodo and Sam, they have to get the ring to Mordor to destroy it, or, you know, they have no Shire to go back to. And the same with Merry and Pippin, because, mm -hmm. like, remember Pippin was like, let's, let's just fucking go home. These trees ain't fucking listening to shit. And like, yeah, let's it, just go home and relax. This isn't our fight. And that's when like, Merry's like, you don't get it. There's not gonna be a fucking Shire if we don't, <laughs> like, do something. Yeah, I, I again, my favorite part of this this entire film is like the arc that sets through with the, the Ents because in the in the books, there's a lot more again, there's a lot more detail. He describes a lot more of the forest and stuff. But there, there's actually a lot about how playful and whimsical, and there's way more questions and back and forth between the Ents and the, and uh, Mary and Pippin. And again, they they are still kind of just like these happy go lucky fuck ups that are there that are still trying to figure out what's going to happen. And again, gradually it's, it's set in Mary's like, no, we, 
wait, no, there's a lot going on. There's a war. There's we, we have way too much at stake. And that's when both of them realize it. And because of Mary's actions of trying to, to force the ends to talk faster in their meeting and then, you know, challenge them being brave because the ends could just easily kill them. Like didn't have to be nice about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's to be like, no, you have to do this. And like basically demanding them, you have to, like, you can't just turn around and not do this. Um, and to convince Pippin too of the weight of it all. Pippin then comes up with the clever plan to say, oh no, take us this way. It's a shortcut. And then he convinces, like the trick is like, it's the dumbest thing ever. He's like, no, the only way to stay away from the enemy is to be closer to them. They'll never expect that. And he's like, that doesn't make sense at all, but mm, you're small. Maybe, maybe that's okay. <laughs> the closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. That That's the, that's the line. Thank you. Yeah. The closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. Like, yeah. Well, that doesn't make shit. sense to me. But then again, you are very, very small. small. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go, I guess. <laughs> yes, I remember. There was so many trees. He walks out, there's just like nothing. <laughs> yeah, that is. All the music stops, all the talking stops. He's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to sound like a weird friends. like tree hugger or something for, for saying it this way. And it's not that, but like. Do you not just get like goosebumps when you see him realize that and he lets out that large like howl? Yeah, like, that, that doesn't make you a tree hugger. The movie makes it clear these trees have sentience. They've been so old yeah. that they talk to each other and some of them walk around and stuff like that. His, his friends were murdered, exactly. Paramount yeah. killed all his friends. Like, you know. Yeah, he's, he's fucking mad. I love that. Like, that's my, my favorite thing. He gets he just enraged and he's like, nope, we're going to fuck shit up. The ants are going to war. There's no wasting time talking to people. We're going to fight. And then they, they just go and obliterate Isengard. Oh, oh it's so great. Uh, again, that's the writing, right? Because before that mm-hmm. scene, like they, they're like, we need more power and all that stuff. And like, like and, he's, and then like Saruman just goes and then like looks at the trees. And then like mm-hmm. there, the, there it is. The setup from that to the genocide of uh, Treebeard's fucking friends uh, was great. Um, well, not great in the sense that his friends died, but great how they set it up and everything. But uh, uh, two things I want to bring up uh, before we close out, and then I'll let you guys, you know, say your final words. Uh, but again, back to Gimli when they're in the forest and stuff. Remember when he has his axe up, and Aragorn's like, "Where are your axe?" <laughs> and then he's like, "Trees, yeah." And then he says something. I don't remember the exact lines, but he's like, these stupid trees. And he's like, you wonderful trees or whatever. And talk nice at him. Uh, trees I've talked about so much. Anyway, the consistency of squirrel droppings. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, that, that's a good one, too. Uh, and another one uh, I want to bring up. This is near uh, the end with Faramir lets, you know, uh, Sam and Frodo and, and uh, um, Gollum go through that tunnel uh and then that's when we get the foreshadowing of the spider pretty much soon um but i want to bring this up because it's samwise and Gollum, right and samwise says you know frodo didn't mean that it wasn't a setup he was trying to get you and all that stuff and, and he's like you know he apologized to master you like you know i get it and like samwise it's like that you did a good thing you you know i forgot the exact wordings but do you think that samwise was like starting to turn a little bit on Gollum? like hey maybe he's not that bad yeah 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 
I, th- I think that's definitely what, what's being kind of sold there because uh, it's just the fact that he's going to be skeptical of him, but at the same time, like, okay, now he's done a few things, like he saved our lives a few times. Like, he, it's it kind of makes sense. Like, okay, he's again, it's just one of those things, when you, uh, any plot device where you're traveling on the uh, on a journey with someone that you don't trust or an enemy, but over time they do things that make you realize, okay, maybe maybe they they do deserve respect or or something. So. It, again, it's there, but at the same time, the very reason why Samwise should be skeptical is shown immediately after that whenever Gollum is shown to be talking to himself again. And he's like, nope, we're going to kill them. They betrayed us because he's fucking crazy because mm-hmm. that, that poor ring has destroyed him. He's just a fragmented soul. As far as uh, kind of wrapping up and final thoughts are going, um, I was under the impression that uh, Andy's circus had won a bunch of awards for this. He didn't, and he really fucking should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really had thought he'd won like best supporting actor or something, like at least at like the Golden Globes or something, if not the Oscars. But no, he didn't. He, he won like some Saturn awards and some British acting awards, and that was it. I think, I think it, something like that was just still too new to win. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. When I was trying to research it, that a lot of that kind of stuff came up. It's like this is motion captured acting like should this count or whatever and now of course of course it counts like it has mm-hmm. to because that's half of the acting that's going on now but uh it's not even just you know an actor with dots all over their face having their emotion captured like he he does all those movements all all gollum like thrashing and and walking around on his knuckles and the facial expressions being a weird, all the facial expressions yeah that's all mm-hmm. andy circus doing that like he's he's fantastic like you can, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. He he should have won more stuff. He started winning stuff more. Uh, I think when Planet, the Planet Apes movies yeah. came out exactly. He mm-hmm. played Caesar, which thank God because he's also fantastic in that. I fucking love those movies too, which mm-hmm. is also chronicled like fucking 150 episodes ago. Go listen to those. But uh, yeah, he he deserved. I mean, I know he got a lot of credit, but a lot of it was like, oh, should we consider this real acting? Yeah, you should. He's a great actor and he did a great job. And wasn't he in uh, Age of Ultron too? Mm-hmm. Was he? Yeah. Yep, he's the, the he's the uh, the guy that's like scavenging and stealing um, vibranium from Wakanda. I've only seen that movie once, and it was in theaters, so I don't. Yeah, well. yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not not exactly a strong entry, but he was in Black he, Panther. Yeah, he's in Black Panther too. I mean, he's he's. A part I've of never the, seen that at all. So. <laughs> oh really? Wow, you're doing yourself a disservice. You should definitely watch that movie. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> forever. And really, though, I mean, in terms of like superhero movies, it's a standalone film. You don't need to have any other context to it. That's a really good movie. You should watch it. I think you'd really like it. Well, you should watch uh, The Two Towers, because I recommend it, and it kicks ass. (laughs) Good segue. Watch it with all the extra stuff. Like, I know it makes it four hours long. Watch it in two sittings. Watch all the extended hour stuff, or all the extended edition stuff, I'm sorry, as two movies, if you don't have the time. It totally works. Uh, In the Blu-ray edition, it's even split across two discs in a pretty good spot. Like, all Mm -hmm. the stories are kind of at a spot where you can walk away from it for 24 to 48 hours, and then come back, and it'll just be absolutely fine. Uh, it's worth it if for no other reason than all the stuff they have for Formir. But really, just everything is is better. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I love extended editions. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I highly recommend it. But I want to bring this up because you brought up the the time and shit. Like I, I didn't feel that uh, almost four hours. Like I I almost went into Return of the King 
because I was like, oh man, this is fucking awesome. But then I, I looked, look, yeah, and then I looked at the time and I was like, oh, I gotta get to bed soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I highly recommend it. Zach, any final words? And do you recommend or not recommend? Um, it's good. I remember back in the day, I, this was the one I liked the most out of the three of them. Um, and it's you know watching it again now, fresh perspective and all that uh with the extended stuff uh yeah i still really enjoyed it and i didn't really feel the length either uh it's like i said you, you earn your length it's not an issue wait until the next fucking five hours if you fucking did a great job then great um yeah i recommend it all right Chaz, what about you uh, yeah, obviously. Right. Could not recommend it enough. Um, again, I, I actually watched it over uh, segments as well. Not out of choice, um, mostly because I watched the first half while my daughter was napping, and then I watched the, the rest of it uh, afterwards. But uh, I wanted to keep really watching. Like I was like, ah, just sleep for another hour and a half. This is fine. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, unfortunately, had to do adult things. But, uh, but yeah, that being said... Um, yeah, again, you definitely need to watch the extended too. You're doing yourself a disservice to not to not watch it because there are so many other things and elements related to the lore and backstory of other characters that make that if you don't have that information, you're not going to care about them. Uh, Faramir specifically is the big, best example, but there's even things about Aragorn, for instance, that you don't know unless you watch the extended cut um, that are really cool. And just a like subtle backstory about the ancestral language, the ancestral people that are human, but from a different line. And like that, those are all cool things that, that tie into that. I, I, I really like that. Uh, so yeah, this is the uh, best movie. To, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of t- tipping my cap on that. It's going to be number one. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, this one we'll has been my favorite, but I don't, you know, again, we're kind of, as far as I can tell, I'm seeing either for the first time or for the first time that I can remember these extended editions. So who knows? I remember if we all like to talk about how Return of the King ends several times and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, maybe maybe we'll be surprised. I don't know. Yeah, it might change. That's true. I'm keeping open mind, but yeah. Oh, uh, before we close out the show, I, I want to bring up one more thing. How good was it that they made like Faramir and Boromir look like brothers? Like, the whole beard and stuff they did they actually look like brothers really really good uh but yeah that's a little side tangent anyway uh so if you're wanting to know what the next movie is because we've been talking about the whole fucking episode it's the return of the king um so remember surprise surprise bet you didn't see that one coming uh but watch lord of the rings uh the return of the king and then come back to us and that is the biggest one if you're watching extended because I think it's like four hours and 30 minutes or 50 minutes or something like that. Um, so, um, remember, yeah, it's, it's the one that truly reaches four hours. Like, if you're not watching credits roll, like you actually hit four hours, yeah. Uh, be, ready. be ready indeed. So, I don't think we have any news to talk about. The only news I've been seeing scrolling past me is how uh, Resident Evil sucks. Uh, But the critics like IGN and GameStop are giving it like a 9 and saying it's the best adaptation of Resident Evil ever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Way, way to show how you were you were paid to put up what your opinion was. Literally the only two outlets that said that. Oh, no, there's more. 
There's more. Oh, oh no, there are others, and they it, it's yeah, and it's like yeah. Apparently, you have to smoke a lot of meth before you watch the show and puke. Uh, you just have to have low low ass fucking standards. You're just willing to accept whatever in your empty ass head, I guess. I actually, hang on, uh, this isn't really news, but I just wanted to have one tiny little conversation, a little baby one, and mm-hmm. I swear to God, we can stop. Um, you were talking earlier about people's problems with the upcoming, and this is relevant to what we're talking about, uh, Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings series that Amazon's coming out with. Mm-hmm. I wonder if people aren't maybe conditioned to be like, this is going to be terrible, and to start hating it preemptively because of stuff like the Resident Evil show, like Picard, like... I guess some people didn't like stuff that happened. Oh yeah. Totally. I think a lot of people are just like already like, this is going to be terrible. I'm going to start hating on it immediately. I I wonder if a lot of people aren't already. My problem. Deciding without seeing. My problem is this. A lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, producers, directors and actors are always shitting on the fan base. They say, well, if you like what was happening in the past, well, guess what? It's the past. It's dead. And they're even putting it in their fucking teaser trailers. Be like, the past is dead. Uh, and they're actually launching the Ring of Powers. Uh, not on, uh, I believe, like, what was the Hobbit's, like, Independence Day or whatever? It's, like, September something. Um, the day they beat the, the Elvish British? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, it's something that is in the book that talks about Independence, which is in September, which would make it, you know, a positive day uh to launch a show instead they're launching it on the day tolkien died and like the only thing i could think of is why <laughs> like intentionally or or accidentally well I, I i don't know who knows like because they're always going to say well we didn't do this intentionally we just wanted to honor the, J- the jrr tolkien and stuff but then they put stuff in the trailer like the past is dead Stop, you know, worrying about the lore and lore and all that stuff. They even did it in Star Trek Discovery, where uh, I think his name was Jay- Jason Isaacs or whatever. He was like in the show, and he's like, he's like, uh, all you Trekkies that like Next Generation Voyager, uh, yeah, it's not gonna be that. And tough luck. Like, you gotta stop doing that. Like. You want the fans to go watch it. You want new people as well. Just don't shit on the the fans just because they don't want their characters to be uh, fucked up. If you want to create something that is like Lord of the Rings, that is like Star Wars, that is like Resident Evil, create your own fucking shit. Because, you know, if you're just going to, like, butcher fucking Luke Skywalker, and then you're going to butcher other characters because you want to have some type of agenda... Then, like, I, I get what you want to do, but don't do it with my characters. And I'm not. And when I say my, I'm not saying like it's mine. I'm just saying, in general, stop it. <laughs> and yeah, it, I, I I think that's a problem, right? Like superimposing your own unique story, but you just it's just taking the easy way out by just imposing it on a world or universe that already exists, or characters that already exist. Like it's built-in income. Like if you mm-hmm. release a brand new product it's a risk but if you release a brand new resident evil product cha-ching people are going to watch it 
people are going to force themselves to watch every episode so they can complain about how bad it is on their podcasts. The gaming parallel is like Diablo Immortal. It's like everyone talks about how awful that game is. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, it's on cell phones. That's terrible. And then they made a jillion dollars. Don't play the (laughs) game, you idiots. Yeah, guess what? You just reinforced to them, hey, this made more money than any other game we've made in the last five years combined. I guess we're going to do it again. Here here Uh, comes Overwatch for phones. Here comes uh, fucking Warcraft on phones. God damn it. Yeah, but I I hope you want to give a car payment per week to to fucking play Overwatch 2. Hooray! (laughs) To answer your your question, Andy, yeah, I mean, all the grifters are going to be grifting to, you know, do the hate train so that they can be like, oh, this is so fucking terrible. Listen, there are some YouTubers that I like that I go and like every time a new episode comes out, they're like, "Oh, it's fucking terrible," and I watch it. And I'm like, eh, it's, "It's it's entertaining, but like, would I like stick to the lore sometimes?" Like, listen, I don't want a carbon copy of the book, and that's a prime example is the fucking Shining. I like Stanley Kubrick's fucking The Shining more than that miniseries that came out that was fucking shipped. But the miniseries was more of the book than Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for if if you're going to at least do something that is a big franchise, do your homework. And don't just be like, I, I got my, my Luke Skywalker and he's going to be this totally opposite polar uh, than what his character really is. Now, if you do good writing where it gets to that point where he's that total opposite, where he's that depressed fucking gray Jedi guy that we, you know, saw the progression of that, then I'd be more, you know, happy about that, uh, you know, that writing. That's what I, like, that's what, that's what I was saying, though, is a lot of people have decided preemptively that they're going to hate the Rings of Power. Like, you haven't seen it yet. Settle down. Mm -hmm. It it might be terrible. Mm -hmm. And it might be terrible for all the reasons you're saying. Like, they may be spitting on Tolkien's legacy, and they might, they might be throwing all this lore out the window, just doing their own thing, and all the elves are going to be black, and all the dwarves are going to be Latina, or what the fuck ever. (laughs) But, like, wait, maybe. You know, it's... That's my whole point. Like, it it might end up being a really good story. It might have the perfect tone and theme. It might tell... uh, It might tell a story in the same vein as what Tolkien might have told, but in a unique way, maybe. Mm -hmm. It also might just be like a money grab piece of shit. Yes. But you don't don't know yet. I I, I, I slightly agree with you, but then I also kind of agree with all the people that preemptively do it, because do you blame them? Like they've been Yes, I do blame them. But, they have no idea. But they get back just guessing. They get backstabbed so many times. How many times did we hear that, that Star Trek? They're conditioned. They're they yeah. they saw Picard and it was terrible. And they saw Book of Boba Fett and it was boring. And they saw fucking Resident Evil and it made them puke out their nose. Now mm. they're like, Oh, oh they're turning on my favorite stuff and they're the bad my childhood is dead. They raped my childhood. I mean, should you just stand there and wait for the piss after you've been pissed on so many times and just accept it no you should step out of the way don't watch this is i mean this is the same conditioning in wrestling right like you watch something you're like oh that's terrible let's i'm gonna go online and complain about it but you don't stop watching and that's the whole thing is like if you actually want something to change you have to stop giving your money to it so unless you take your money away from it it's not gonna change if they're making they're making bank off of you they don't care if you complain you've already bought the product exactly right buyer's remorse is not an excuse to to not like you know continue to to raise prices and come out with new products. So uh, something I thought was interesting, it was, it was uh, um, another podcast that I like to listen to that 
was doing a critique of, of the Resident Evil. And one of the things the guy said was interesting because it's kind of a catch-22. It's that he, he talked about how the story is just so uh, dismissive uh, to a point of what the actual like backstory and universe of Resident yeah. Evil is. And it just does its own thing. But then he says, like, and he says exactly what you had said. Like, just if you're going to do that, like, this writing's bad anyway, but even if you made it good, like if you're going to go with this story, just write something that is your own thing. Don't just supplant it into the resident evil universe. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on to say the things that are like the shining light of it. If there's any saving grace at all, or any silver lining is that they make little subtle nods at times to things within the resident evil uh, franchise. And those are neat little things that are there. Um, So then it's like, well, how do you write something, uh, that again, you said it's at risk. Like that is unique. That sticks out on its own, um, or improve your writing to in- include this. But again, if, if you're saying everyone's going to preemptively hate it, but then also the guy's saying the one thing I enjoyed is that they tied it to Resident Evil, but also because it has Resident Evil's name, it doesn't deserve it because it's bad writing. That's the um, risk of creation. You got to create yeah, something good. Obviously, exactly. If these and writers it's... had created something unique, we wouldn't be talking about it. it oh, absolutely. Been on our radar. And yeah. I will die on this this hill. The Castlevania animated series that was that you know released over the years uh, on Netflix is one of the best animated series I have ever seen, and I, I would argue it is the I too. And you know, in the same like mindset of like, oh, okay, well, this is based on this like beloved gaming franchise. Well, they change it all around, know, right? But well, but at the same time, like they they move some things around. But actually, there's a lot of that stays true to what the storyline is. Sort of. They, there's they, a lot they, of they characters who are alive at the same time that are not alive at the same time in the games. And uh, ex- who the yeah, fuck cares? Ultimately, it's still great. Exactly. So, like, there are there are things that are plot holes. But again, again, the writing is great, and for what it is, it, it is an awesome thing. It is arguably the best piece of gaming. Uh, like media in terms of film or TV that have ever been made. I, I would argue it stands against any other, like name another gaming based movie or television series that is actually as good as that series. Same episode to episode. It is very hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is really hard to find something, right? Like it's just that good. So the writing can like, again, like you said, if you just shit inside a box and then write a name on it and say, well, this is what we're giving you. Like, yeah, it's still shit in a box. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter. You put the name on it. You, if you give me good writing, you can write your own story, or you can write it within the realm of something else. It just needs to be good writing. And, and my thing is this: like, there is a lot of indie films that I go, that was that was pretty interesting. I mean, there's a lot of indie films that like are just based in one setting, but the writing is so fucking good that I don't even care about the setting. Um, I mean, another popular film uh, that g- goes down that path is Twelve Angry Men fucking great movie where it's just you watched a uh, ghost story do you remember that movie yeah yeah i think about that one a lot when people bring up like a uh, bottle episode indie movie kind of things mm-hmm. and you got to think about like this as well if, if you take a chance with like the indies or just a, a, a movie or a tv show that is not like a big franchise like lord of the rings or star wars but you know, people might look at influence through indies, be like, hey, what they did in Ghost Story is pretty interesting. What they did in 12 Angry Men is interesting. What if we put that in some type of way? And and, and I guarantee you'll have all the haters, obviously, that are going to be preemptive. Like, oh, that doesn't happen in this type of lore. Like, I'm not, like, sticking to that. Um, but at the same time, uh, when you're having characters... 
But then you guys just said about Castlevania, where they're just not there, but the writing is so good, it doesn't really matter. Um, and Resident Evil, by God. Uh, I The one positive thing I'll say about Resident Evil, the show, is that the action is okay. And I say okay, like, it's okay. Like, I've seen that type of action before in The Walking Dead. I mean, they made, like, eight movies, and that's all you could say about it. It was, yeah. oh, the action was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, the dialogue and stuff, you could definitely tell they edited the fuck out of it so that they'd be like, oh, let me just put an umbrella fucking patch on, like, an army uh, vest or whatever. Um, anyway. Yeah. I well, just don't... I, 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 I think you shouldn't watch it. That, my main points are: uh, don't judge something until you can tell it's bad. Uh, don't pay attention to stuff if it is bad, because I, there's always the vote with your dollar thing. It's voting with your attention now. If you watch something, they're gonna just make more of it. Yeah. So you know, already confirmed to have season two. Yeah. What? Just don't watch. Just don't watch. <laughs> And I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I like to I like to watch the Red Letter Media reviews of like Picard. I can't figure out how that works with Netflix though because there's like shows that well, apparently everybody fucking loved and watched and then they got canceled. Yeah, they don't have to release those numbers. We have no idea. We do know that they lost uh, a million or more subscribers in the last quarter though. Yeah, that that's a problem. Is like you have this whole retention issue, and there are a lot of people too, just based on their own like changing into like uh, rules of subscriptions and and the password protection stuff, where they don't want you sharing passwords and like. The problem is, is that regardless of how the contents are like released and stuff, you can follow trends on when people are are subscribing and not subscribing. And again, there are a lot of people that are probably going to fluctuate where. <laughs> They're going to subscribe whenever whatever show they're interested in is on, and then they're going to cancel it. That, that's how I do HBO Max. Like, if there's something on there I want, I pay for a month, and I get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, or, uh, never mind. I don't want to say it out loud. Uh, <laughs> pirate, pirate stuff? Yeah. Are you going to say pirate stuff? Don't yeah. say that! Don't say that on the air! We're going to get canceled! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, that was a good discussion. Um, the shows that are going to be coming up uh, tomorrow, um, we're going to be doing the Metal Gear podcast. Um, what, yeah. what's, what's I always fuck up when I talk. Andy, what's the title of the Metal Gear podcast? A podcast to surpass Metal Gear. There you go. And we're going to be starting off with the MSX Metal Gear uh, game. Um, so be here tomorrow, probably around the same time, and we'll, get, we'll live stream it. And then Thursday... We're having triple podcast this week. Uh, we're doing getting some color on Thursday. We have the one more episode of WCW Saturday Night. Oh, and the and the ratings and stuff. And by the way, next week we will be rating all the Lord of the Ring movies. And then Zach is going to pick our theme for the next round of movies. And maybe he's going to punish all of us because we made him watch so much of Lord of the Rings. Who knows? Tune in next week. Uh yeah. But until next time, guys, I'll see you next week or tomorrow or third. I'm going to see you every day. Peace. Thanks for listening. Bye. Oh.